There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. We will continue exploring, discovering new worlds, new civilizations. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Richard Dave, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and today we'll be discussing Episode 10 of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Hey, uh, Steve, since you're an engineer, Chief Engineer... Yes. <laughs> I hope you come supplied with black licorice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i've got a whole storeroom full of that yeah, you can just make it now <laughs> yes replicate it jet replicate that's right <laughs> they're so busy doing ice but jet's in the back room doing black licorice <laughs> she looks about as thin as a piece of black licorice too yeah, she, does. she locked herself in a closet and totally subsisted on as she would say candy <laughs> this isn't food it's candy uh, it's more of an accessory <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> Glad to have her back, that's for sure. Man, did we get a great two-part episode to say goodbye to Giorgio and just have Michelle Yao just act her butt off. (laughs) (laughs) Is her gold-plated butt? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Leave me to my bath. Okay. Yes. (laughs) And camera switches away. Yeah, it was great. Any, Any opportunity to see Michelle Yao act like that is... I'll take it. Yes. It's such a treat. Absolutely was. And just, it's been great to have her be the BA that she is as the, mm. the emperor. But even in this episode, we really get the notification that, yeah, she has changed since being on Discovery. And to see her grapple with how much of that to show and how much not to show was absolutely just amazing. I know. You can see her struggle with it, too, yes. sometimes. Yes. Her facial expressions. She just wanted to She just wanted to take up a tiny little knife and stab her lip. Yeah. <laughs> stop that. <laughs> I can't stop it. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of high drama just to devote to someone's switching to her own show eventually. Right. <laughs> Including pull, pulling things out of their galactic wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> Deep Star Trek past just to oh, make it even yeah. crazier. And that was pretty amazing, too. <laughs> uh, I went to YouTube just to revisit that. Anyway, gosh, I don't know what else. I, I did like it. I, I liked it. It was fun. Oh, yeah, I did, too. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it seemed like a, after my second view, I was like, wow, that seemed like a season finale. Yeah, it very well could have been. <laughs> and then, of course, it leads right into, they don't waste any time on Discovery, right into, and next week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, how many we got left after this? Three or four? Do we have two in this year and one next year? Yes, I think yeah. so. Okay. Yeah. We have three more episodes left. Good grief. Yeah. <laughs> Where does time go? Well, in another dimension, they're just starting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> have you heard anything? Is there any news about uh, Section 31 show? No. 
Yeah. All quiet on. All quiet. Who knows? They could be filming right now. We don't know. I mean, you would think they would let us know that filming has started, but nope. Haven't heard like a thing. Yeah, there's, it's hard to keep secrets, but apparently there's some, as we know. Oh, yeah. Especially when you watch the ready room and, and Will gets to talk to Michelle and <laughs> he's mentioning what a way to say goodbye. And she's kind of going, well, not really. <laughs> 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 Maybe to you, Will. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're going someplace. <laughs> That's when he freezes and he, she gives her the Filippo Giorgio em- Emperor stare. Yeah. <laughs> well, shall we get into this episode? Get into it. Epis- oh, you, don't like my, yeah. you don't like my deep voice? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> episode 8, Terraforma Part 2. Giorgio uncovers the true depths of the plot against her, leading her to a revelation about how deeply her time on the USS Discovery truly changed her. I don't know what's for the better or the worse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's somewhere in between. She's scary. Yeah. Picking up where we, from the first installment where we left off, Terra Firma Part 2 finds a Terran leader dealing with political intrigue in the mirror universe. I was beginning to think maybe that should be a regular show too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how many spinoffs we can take though. (laughs) I'm sure the cast would love it. Oh, yeah. They really get to go crazy. I didn't know, you know, Michelle, (laughs) Michael, I mean, had so many teeth because she bared her teeth a lot. Oh, yeah. Seriously angry. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Kudos to your dentist, Sinequa. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some teeth. They should have had little bits of blood on it because I noticed later on her her uniform had blood on it. Yeah. Can you imagine if they put blood on her teeth? (laughs) Oh, man. I'm going down a rabbit hole. Transported there by a mysterious doorway, Giorgio remains unsure of whether what she is experiencing is real or illusory. Yet she is determined to regain Mira Burnham's allegiance and preside over a reformed Terran empire. Burnham labels her mother as weak. I was mad at that. Yeah. Citing a coalition that the Romulans, Andorians, Tellarites, and Klingons have found to rebel against the throne. Michael believes that the Noblians, Rigelians, and Cordonites would tune into an alliance. This is all great. Yeah. You know, ripping off all these races across the galaxy. I'm like, oh, I want to see this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Federation is bad on their side, so the Klingons are like Boy Scouts? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Doubt it. Doubt it. Giorgio no stays, no. <laughs> stays the course, banishing Burnham to the agonizer booth, and tasking Captain Killy Tilly with breaking her daughter's traitorous spirit. That's a mouthful. Thanks a lot, Tilly. The Emperor feels the only way to truly reach Michael in the Mirror Realm is through strength and pain. So she permits Killy to subject the imprisoned Terran to months of torture. Yeah. Yeah. Burnham was looking pretty rough there at the end of the torture. (laughs) I know. She wouldn't need a a toaster for her bread anymore. She just put it on her forehead. Yes. I swear she was like smoking. Was smoke coming from her? Yeah. I mean, it sure looked that way. It looked yeah, it like sure it. looked that way. Why would she be in a smoky uh, brig? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's coming from her. Someone light up a cigarette in here? No, honey, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> Influenced by her experience in the prime universe and convinced there is a better way for the Empire, Giorgio recounts fond memories of following a young sleepwalking bird into fields with fireflies. Probably murders fireflies. Giorgio <laughs> places the orb containing the luminous insects at her daughter's side and acts with Seemingly sways Burnham into compliance. Meeting with Giorgio, Burnham vows that she is once again devoted to her mother and agrees to eliminate Lorca's co-conspirator. Hey, were you wondering if we were going to see Lorca? Of course. Yeah, me too. (laughs) 
I wonder why not. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Just, yeah, unless he's going to be in the spinoff series. He's not dead, is he, or is he? Can't remember. Is he dead? Let's see. Yeah, well, not in the timeline that Giorgio was in. He wasn't. But yes, I believe he did die before we got back to the Prime Universe. Hmm. Well, we'll find a way for him. Yes. <laughs> She's going to need him. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Michael executes Landry, Bryce, Detmer, and a host of other Terrans to prove her loyalty and promises to help hunt down and kill Lorca. Yeah. I don't know how they even make friends in that universe. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't make friends. Give someone a good hug and like, I know you're going to kill me. Yeah, I know you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and here's in the, the knife moment, in your back. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just put it here for you. Yeah. In a private moment was Giorgio Mirasaru, or rather the nameless Kelpian servant, who is the counterpart to her intrepid Captain Saru, admits that he is undergoing Bahare and will soon need to be called. <laughs> Poor bastard. Aware that the Bahari is not a death sentence from the U.S. Discovery's exploits at Kaminar, the Sound of Thunder, the Empress assures the Kelpian that he will emerge from the process as a new person. I think he was slightly pissed off to learn that. I mean, the more he figured it out, he's like, wait a minute. Yeah, you're not from this universe. Yeah. And you go, Man. how does the Kelpians know that there's different mirror universes? Yeah. Uh, just like, Plus, wow. <laughs> yeah, that must have, that freaked him out on so many different levels. It did. <laughs> Wait a minute, my family. Yeah. <laughs> Burn him in the ISS Discovery, locate one of Lorca's top lieutenants in orbit around Risa. When Giorgio and her daughter meet with the uncooperative man in the brig, Burnham reveals that she has been deceiving her mother all along. In typical Terran fashion, Michael and her allies attack Giorgio, but in an even more Terran style, the Emperor springs her own trap, calling in Saru Owo Tilly as backup. Wow. Awesome fight. Colbert, Col Colbert got flipped to the ceiling by uh, yeah, Saru. Saru just whack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. I know. Who said I haven't been working out? I have. Yeah. A brutal fight ensues, and in an agonizing instant, Giorgio has no choice but to kill Burnham. Mortally wounded herself, the Emperor seems pleased that Saru survived his Bahare as she drifts off. And of course, we cut to the Discovery. <laughs> I didn't think we would. I thought the entire episode was going to be devoted. Yeah, I did too. Over there. I was surprised they had a B-plot. Yeah. I mean, we knew it was there, but come on. <laughs> right. Aboard the Discovery, Stamets and Adira are having difficulty hacking into the KSF Kaits systems remotely. Adira thinks that the ship was trapped in the nebula 125 years prior, so it may not be intact. Of course, Stamets says, we're still getting a signal, so we need more power. More power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, of course, that brings Jet Reno out of her hiding. <laughs> or yeah. they have rerouted all her power. <laughs> You'd think someone would be monitoring that on the bridge, like, where's all this power going? Right. First it's here, then it's there. <laughs> Yeah, you would, you'd have thought that that had been bringing down just about everybody on top of Stamets for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, apparently Jet's been working on changing the warp plasma conduits to fully polaric conduit. Well, that's what I would have done with my downtime, too. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course, Adira explains her task and, ob and objects to Reno, who's snacking on black licorice, having food in engineering. It's not food, it's candy. It's practically an accessory. I wonder if she writes her own lines. That's I awesome. think so. <laughs> Snark. Yes. 
Then Booker comes in to solve the problem at hand as he plugs in a glowing device into the console. He explains that the static in space subspace barrier is preventing their connection. And he tells them that the couriers traveling to remote areas use range extenders to amplify weak subspace signals. Though Stamets is skeptical since he obtained the device from the Admiral chain. But Book assures him that he made sure it was safe as he tested it out before he even installed it on his ship. And That's sure enough, they make connection to the Kelpian ship. As soon as he straightened out the static, Jet was allowed to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was stuck, stuck in subspace face. Yeah. <laughs> so while Giorgio's eyes close in the mirror universe, they open in the prime universe. It's, <laughs> it's only been a minute of real time on Danis 5 as Michael and the mysterious stranger Carl watch her. Having passed through in more ways than one, Carl reveals the truth about everything. With that, he shows his true form as the Guardian of Forever. It's about as close as I can get. Uh, pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. And a mysterious construct of space and time from the famous episode from the original series, City on the Edge of Forever. And I just had a small fight with somebody oh, yeah? on, uh, on Twitter with that. Yeah. <laughs> somebody was asking about which one, sh how should I get my nephew started? And I'm, well, a good start would be City on edge of forever but that might set the bar too high right and that was that was agreed upon but of course somebody had to say well that was overrated anyway i'm like whoa 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 whoa, are you whoa. serious <laughs> he goes speaking objectively and i go you mean subjectively yes. no i mean objectively no you mean subjectively <laughs> dude <laughs> people are today's cynicism steve i'm telling you i know i know it's gotten bad <sighs> It's not easy being a boomer. No. <laughs> we find out during the temporal wars, all sides attempted to weaponize Carl. Carl. <laughs> really? Causing him to go into the hiding. That was kind of cool. Yes. Giorgio was not actually sent back in time to the mirror universe. Eh, I don't know. Who knows? Right. Who knows? She did ha She did check her Fitbit. Yes. <laughs> She's got three months of Fitbit stuff. Data on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rather, she was being weighed, given a moral test to see how much she has changed. Really, Carl, is that your job now? <laughs> and though she failed in not saving Michael's life, other Michael, her attempt to do so showed she has the capacity and prompts to save many others. Yes. He creates a portal, encouraging to go back to a time when the Mirror and Prime Universe were close together. Hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know if you've ever looked into bubble universes, that we might be in bubble universes or even a foamy-like universe, or like if you add more water or foam, the bubbles like drift around. Or right. say universe. That's what I imagine when uh, they say they like drift and close come sure, together. Sure, But tinfoil hat theory, maybe a little too soon, but uh, if she goes back to a time where the universe is closer, that exits her a chance to find Lorca somehow. Right. You know, and make sure he's on her series. Yeah, he's a busy guy, busy actor still. Yeah. Uh, that's it what, wouldn't that's surprise what, me a bit. Yeah, that's what tinfoil is for. Yes. <laughs> while that now while that would save her life, curing the medical malady that was tearing her apart, that also means saying goodbye to Michael and Discovery. No, it is here then that Michael and Giorgio must say goodbye. The Terran goes back on one of her first exchanges with Michael, thanking her for giving her a new life in the Prime Universe. Wow. In return, Michael tells her that she is her Philippa, implying that she is far from just a substitute in her Prime Universe mentor. True that. Before leaving, Giorgio advises Michael to look at the captain's chair, musing she is capable of more than she thinks. The two women salute each other and Giorgio heads off to parts unknown. You know, that's a lot to chew on, too. Yes, it is. I, I was going to ask you in our last episode, so why is the why is Michael the center of this show now? 
I mean, the the original conceit was to have Michael the center of the show. Right. And not a captain. Right. But what we've seen her acting chops as a captain. Yes. Pretty awesome. Yes, it is. And so if, if they, I don't know, defanged her by, ha- by having Cleveland book around all the time, and she's no reason to be jealous of everyone. So I said, why is she, why is she the center of the show? Uh, unless they have plans for her to become a cap. That's possible. Means- but yeah, I don't want Doug Jones to leave. That's for sure. <laughs> I know. I know. But I, then I start, then this is the way my mind works, Steve, with the upcoming episode and him finding uh, apparently Kelpians at the center of that nebula. Right. That, that could give him an excuse to move on. Yeah, it could. Uh, that would be stunning. I don't think a lot of people would be happy with that. No, no. I There's a whole lot of Doug Jones fans watching this show that it would just completely kill them to lose Doug Jones right now, and they would probably quit watching the show. That's possible. They would take their own Colbert doll yes. and, like, <laughs> against the ceiling. <laughs> no. Exactly. So Saru reports to a holographic projection of Admiral Charles Vance about their findings, though Vance is concerned about the use of Emerald Change technology. Well, of course he is. Booker replies that he ensured it was safe before installing it on his own ship years earlier. Discovery Spore Drive makes it more attractive to Osira, who is running short on dilithium, calling for extra caution. Yeah, Saru, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I know I have to stare up at you because you're like six foot six. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is my angry, you know, warning look. He tells Booker to follow Starfleet protocol if he wishes to remain aboard Discovery. But Booker tells him that Osira doesn't follow any protocols and that having him as a non-Starfleet participant could prove beneficial. You think so? Saru relieves an alert that Burnham is beaming back up to Discovery alone and Book goes to meet her. Vance question. <laughs> it's, I just think it's a big ship and not that big. They can always run into each other in the hallway. Yes. <laughs> Vance questions if Saru is distracted by the Kelpian crew of the Kylie and orders him to report as soon as he learns anything further. And then he offers offers condolences regarding Giorgio. In the corridor, Book tells Burnham he's sorry for her loss and they embrace. Later in her quarters, Burnham tells Saru that they will not see Giorgio again. Yeah, I thought it was interesting the way Michael basically didn't say she died, but... <laughs> He just she's said, like, no. Deceased. Yeah. And she's deceased. She is deceased well, in can... this timeline right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that's what it would suggest, too. Yes. Because any, anything that Philippa does in the past will be uh, evident in the future. Yes. You have to. Uh, yes. You know, stick, a, stick a note in a bottle and stick it in the wall. It'll be there a thousand years from now. Exactly. And so, you know, yeah. unless Section 31 is able to completely destroy their records, which. I guess anything's possible. I could mm. see Burnham digging into even the ship's databases because of all its knowledge to find out what Philippa actually did. If yeah, and the sphere would have. Yeah, the sphere data does. probably would. Yeah, unless she comes back after the sphere. Yeah, passed on and uploaded all its data to Discovery. I mean, I guess she could probably pop back 
right <laughs> at the right the second yeah. after control was destroyed and uh, they move on from there yeah <laughs> very convenient <laughs> oh that's what carl's for yep. i guess <laughs> so the crew gathers to toast Giorgio with Culber calling her the most stubborn patient he's ever had the other crew members share their ambiguous opinions about her mm-hmm. and burnham says she was like a mother almost well like a sister well, was almost. This, was this Chinatown? <laughs> yeah. I loved her and hated her, sometimes both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think we all loved her. Yes. If it is a different timeline, speaking of tinfoil hat theories, then she would have to forget everything. This, I mean, talk about Vil- Philippa. Right. Everything. And not know not know anything? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she, she must carry the, uh, the memory of Michael somehow. She'd have to be... She'd have to be memory, be memory wiped. Right. Carl would have to do that for her. Yeah, and I don't. I, if that happened, she would return re- return to her Terran personality. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Carl yeah. won't met wipe her memory. There's no way yeah. he would do that. So yeah, she, she's going to have all her memories of Michael, both hers and ours. <laughs> I, I have this. Uh, speak more tinfoil. Stretch out that uh, tinfoil, Steve. Okay. So if they start a show and there is a Lorca on it, which would be awesome, right? I can see him joining forces with her, but secretly engineering a different future so he can, I don't know, get back to the Terran universe since they're close again, apparently. Right. And be the the ruler he always wanted to be be there. Yeah, very well could be. Or at least change the timeline where he is now. And that, of course, will ripple all the way, you know, 930-something years into the future. Right. Where that has to be fixed, too. And Carl (laughs) Carl will be like, what? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if they open up this storyline, there's there's a lot to do. Oh, yeah. A lot to – there's a lot of material to work from. So we can get into – some Easter eggs, a little boomer talk. I oh, was speaking of doomer, boomer talk. All that smoke coming from uh, Michael and her reminded me of the Adams family. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was her name? M- Mrs. Adams? Yes. Morticia. Morticia Adams. She, for you kids out there, we boomers used to watch the Addams Family, and she'd always say, mind if I smoke to someone, whoever had the courage to visit them in their house, and they'd be like, go ahead. Yeah. And she would fold her arms, and then the smoke would rise around her, and they'd be like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> expect her to light a cigarette. Nope, she just smokes herself. <laughs> So, here we go. There's a lot of Easter eggs. Giorgio's leniency on Mirror Burnham echoes exactly how Kirk treated Mirror Chekhov in Mirror Mirror. Ah. In that episode, Mirror Spock was blown away when Kirk didn't order full duration in the agony booth, even though Chekhov's crime warranted death. <laughs> Basically, Giorgio is behaving a lot like Kirk did in Mirror Mirror, the irony being she's from this universe and Kirk wasn't. Yeah. Very true. Or that universe. Yeah. <laughs> when Giorgio tells Mirror Burnham that the subjects of the Empire are in constant rebellion, and she suggests that the current model of the Terran Empire is doomed to fail. And that and they, they always threw in little hints about Rome, too. Right. We all know what yes. happened to Rome. Yes. Yeah. It can only kill off so many of your subjects. <laughs> the the assessment aligns with what Mirror Spock said in Mirror Mirror when he outright acknowledged that at some point in the future, the Empire will be overthrown, of course. Maybe because they didn't have enough uh, goatees. Yeah. In this <laughs> Nothing overthrows that. No. Nope. Mirror Burnham mentions a vast alliance trying to take down the Empire. This vaguely references a similar alliance that 
prime Burnham discovered in The Wolf Inside. In that episode, Giorgio destroyed those rebels from orbit, but this timeline is slightly different. Burnham rattles off alien races that are part of the coalition against the Empire, and those selections seem to be very pointed and interesting. Here's why. Romulans. This implies the Romulans and the Vulcans split in the uh, mirror universe, much as they did in the prime universe. Plus, it also implies that Terran Starfleet might be more aware of the Romulans in their 2250s than their prime universe counterparts. Oh, my head. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Doran, you know what, Steve? What? In the Terran timeline, the Romulans really were androids. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I know. I'm going to write them a nasty email. Here's something you can do. Yeah. (laughs) And Doran's found, uh, the Andorans, founding members of the Federation of the Prime Universe, sworn enemies of the Empire in the Mirror Universe. (laughs) Tellarite. This checks with what we saw in The Wolf Inside in in Season 1 of Discovery. Klingons. Again, in The Wolf Inside, we learned that the Mirror Vok was the benevolent leader of a rebellion against the Empire. Yay, Vok. Come back soon. (laughs) Denobulans. This is a callback to to Enterprise. Dr. Phlox was a Denobulan, and in the Enterprise, two-parter in Mirror, a Mirror Darkly, Mirror Phlox, there's a lot of Mirror talk, Yes, worked for the Terran Empire. So if the Denobulans were revolting, then yes, the Empire was in real trouble. <laughs> the Denobulans, they're always revolting anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rigelians. Although mentioned in the original series in Deep Space Nine, we first saw Rigelians in Enterprise. Most recently, we saw a Rigelian in the Lower Decks episode, Much Ado by Boymore. <laughs> that was an interesting episode. Yes. <laughs> Coridonites. We, we mostly saw members of the Coridonite species in Discovery episode Far From Home, but the first time they appeared was in the Enterprise episode, Shadow of a Pajem. I hope you all take notes out there. Does Giorgio have a tantalus field? Captain Kelly suggested she has the ability to kill Mirror Burnham with the press of a button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not? In Mirror Mirror, Kirk discovered a device called the tantalus field that was able to remotely vaporize people. That's Boy. some kind of weapon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know if they have that in the far-flung future. Don't make me use this. Yeah. <laughs> Hold up your little button there. Or it's like clap on, clap off. <laughs> <laughs> you try to vaporize something, the stupid lamp goes on in the corner. No, <laughs> no, not that. I wanted vaporization. In an unused concept for Enterprise, at one point, it was going to be suggested that the Tantalus field sent people to an alternate dimension. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would make your head spin. Yeah. That said, in this scene, it seems like uh, we're meant to get a similar feeling from Mirror Mirror and not necessarily assume Giorgio has a Tantalus field. <laughs> the credits from Terra Firma Part 2 were inverted to acknowledge that the idea that the episode begins in the Mirror Universe. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> yes. The only other time a Trek show that had Mirror Universe credits was it was a two-part Enterprise episode in a Mirror Darkly Parts 1 and 2. They'll never get away from the Mirror Universe. It's just no. too rich. <laughs> <laughs> Someday they're going to go to a Mirror Universe where it's a hippie commune. Yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're all smoking dope in a circle wearing flowers. <laughs> hey, man. And they'll all be data. <laughs> yeah, they'll all be data. Yeah, cool. It seems possible that during the three months as Giorgio stays in the mirror universe, Captain Lorca does cross over to the prime universe. It'll explain why no one has heard from him at all. Boy, I sure hope so. Yes. <laughs> Rika Sharma returns again as Mira Ellen Landry. She's the first of the co-conspirators to be tracked down by Mira Detmer and, and Mira Byrne. You know, Mira Burnham set up Mira Detmer. Oh, yes. Like a, this is, here's a plan. She gets out a cocktail napkin and says, this is where you get blown up and leads her right to me. And Detmer's like, do I have to? Yeah. I have to. <laughs> you get blown up. This is right there. Yep. 
In the original Mirror Timeline, Landry had been put to an, in an agonizer booth for like a year or something, but she was very much part of L- Lorca's rebellion. When Mirror Saru hears about the great things Kelpians have been able to do, he mentions that Georgiou must have traveled beyond the Empire. Yeah, she did. Yeah. <laughs> Later, he accuses Georgiou of not being Terran, essentially, because she's acting away way too nice. <laughs> he should have pointed her with, like with his elbow or something. Hey, you're not Terran. And yeah. <laughs> You can't All fool this, me. Yeah, you can't fool me. All this implies that the Kelpians in the Mirror Universe are aware of another universe and another reality. Mirror Saru even says, return where you're, to where you are from. Yeah, that that, that is high concept. You know? Yes, it is. He was, stunned. You, he was stunned at some of that information, but he put it together yeah. uh, rather easily. Actor Hannah Cheeseman appears in both Terraformer Part 1 and Terraformer Part 2, but it's only here in dialogue in Part 2 that the outright she is outright to establish that, yes, this is the mirror Arium. Everyone gets a shot. Yep. Uh, obviously, in the mirror universe, Arium never wasn't involved in the shuttle accident that led her to become an augmented human. She looks so different. Yeah. <laughs> And she gets to use a sneer, too. Yes. Interestingly, Hannah Cheeseman was not the only original uh, Arium. That would be actress Sarah Mitch, who played Arium in season one of Discovery. Whew, a lot of doubles. Yes. Since season two, Mitch, sans makeup, has played Commander Nielsen, whom I love. <clears throat> yes. Oops, that slipped out. <laughs> in Terra Firma Part 2, Mitch plays Mirror Nielsen opposite Cheeseman in as Mirror Arium. Confused yet? Yeah, <laughs> you should be. <laughs> you should be. You're welcome. This is the first time since the beginning of season two that both Arium actresses have been on the bridge at the same time. Crack! That was my brain. <laughs> You know this one. Riser is the pleasure planet, but made famous by the Next Generation episode, Captain's Holiday. Is Riser a plen- pleasure planet in the Mirror Universe? Seemingly not. Maybe? Yeah, I could just <laughs> imagine what that's like. Oh, man. <laughs> S&M. <laughs> it's either the worst thing ever, or it really is a whole bunch of people sitting around smoking dope and wearing flowers. Right. <laughs> Which... That would be the... I so, can't I say know. the Mir- the Terran Empire allowing that to even exist. It's got to be it, it torture. Giant <laughs> agony planet. Yes. <laughs> They're so used to it. They just walk around and buy a newspaper and walk the dog in agony. <laughs> oh, did I say buy a newspaper for real? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. The idea that the Klingons and Romulans form an alliance in the Mirror Universe in the 2250s is oddly similar to what happened in the Prime Universe in the 2260s. In the TOS episode, The Enterprise Incident, we learned that the Klingons and the Romulans started sharing technology partially because they wanted to take down a federation. Why not? Yes. (laughs) Carl's newspaper contains all sorts of interesting headlines, including one headline that reads, Starship USS, what is that, Genolan? 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 Genolan. Reported Genolan. Yep. Reported being missing. This references the USS Janolan from the Next Generation episode Relics. Yeah, I got to read the small print on these newspapers. Yes. In that episode, Scotty was brought into the 24th century after having stored himself in a transporter for like seven years. That was awesome. That yes. It be done. Yes, it now can. Now what happened to Jet. Yes. Stuck in her little, <laughs> her little closet with black licorice. Relevantly, Scotty was present in the city of uh, the city on the edge of forever once Kirk and Spock returned to the Guardian of Forever and said, you only left a, mo- a moment to go. That's not my good Scottish section. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. You o- no, I can't do it. <laughs> you only left a moment to go. That's not bad. No. <laughs> a little cartoonish. Another of Carl's headlines reads, Supernova Threatens Tikon Empire. 
Uh, <laughs> is there any good news? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, of course not. Switch to the funnies, Carl, please. Yeah. <laughs> this references the, the Next Generation episode, The Last Outpost. In that episode, the Tikon Empire had been destroyed for like 600,000 years. Still making the paper, though. Yep. <laughs> they also had the ability to move planets and stars. Hmm. Obviously, the biggest reel here is that Carl is really the guardian of forever. First scene in the original series episode, City on the Edge, uh, Edge of Forever, an all-time classic. I don't, yes. that, I don't care what that guy says that, on Twitter. Right. <laughs> the Discovery writers chose the name in honor of Carl Sagan. I know. Yay. Yes. <laughs> when the guardian speaks his name, we hear an audio sample up from Bart LaRue, who played the original voice in Guardian in 1976. Yes. I almost well didn't want done. to see. Yeah, I almost didn't want to see him. Like it's such a precious part of the past. Yeah, and in this timeline, I use the word precious. That I, I didn't want to know. I didn't think they'd want really want to mess with. Some things are just you don't you just don't touch. Right. Mm. Nope. Apparently not. Nope. <laughs> when the guardian says back in the day, that was the face palm. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, really, Carl? Back in the day, it used to be sure. Come on through. Just don't screw up history. You'll have to fix it. <laughs> He's clearly referencing Kirk and Spock and probably Spocky in and yesteryear. Or like McCoy. He's on his Yes. He screwed it up. <laughs> yeah. Kirk and, and Spock had to fix it. <laughs> did, did you look how bad McCoy, when he was sick, he looked really bad. Yes. He, but he wasn't smoking like Michael. Right. <laughs> bad. <laughs> no. <Pretty> close. <laughs> George Joe's flashback earlier in season three are now connected to a character named San. Still don't know exactly who he was, but he has mentioned the tie-in novel, Die Standing. Clearly, we'll hear more of the story in Michelle Yao's next Star Trek show. Yes. Burnham made her promise to tell people about him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mirror Giorgio brings the relationship between Burnham and Prime Giorgio full circle. When she tells her that she also got what it takes to be captain of a starship, which now I expect. Yes. You just, <laughs> you, uh, you have to. Yeah. Not in so, two years, but yeah, maybe by so, the end of the season. Maybe if Saru decides to leave with a, another Kelpian, yeah. what does that say about? Uh, so that means uh, Tilly's going to murder Michael in the final episode and take over the captain. <laughs> <laughs> That'll stun everybody. Yeah. This references the opening moments of the very first episode of Discovery ever, the Vulcan Hello. In that yep. episode, Captain Giorgio straight up told Burnham it was time for her to get her own ship. Yeah. Boy, I wonder if she'll get a command in the new Starfleet. I don't know. Head spinning. Yep. <laughs> so now that's two Giorgios have said it now. Maybe they know something. <laughs> Maybe they do. Not really an Easter egg, but it's straight up adorable that Michael's default goodbye is still the Vulcan salute. <laughs> oh, I would have I would have loved to see that reversed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, see Michael the chest thing. You're right. You're and, still my and her giver this and uh Giorgio. Giorgio. Yeah, yeah, that would have been, awesome. been better. That yes. would have been better. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> Call me. Someone stepping into the Guardian Forever while having someone else give them the Vulcan salute, that is Star Trek baby, like a double shot of Star Trek with no chaser. <laughs> Unless you have the machine like that, being machine and neither. Yeah. Speaking of booze, it seems that everyone on the disco crew is drinking Romulan ale during the toast of Giorgio at the end of the episode. I want them to go to that party. Yeah. This could be a vague reference to Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, when Kirk and, and the gang all have Romulan ale, and Kirk says to absent friends... 
Chris Pinekirk says something similar in Star Trek uh, Beyond, and there's a similar vibe in this scene as to those two scenes. In each case, we never really saw if there was any lasting effects of the Romulan booze, but we did know that those respective crews were now ready to get down to business. Yeah. <laughs> Drink. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Goodbye. Bye, Romulan Ale on Vegas. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hotel. It might have been the Hilton. That's when they had the uh, Star Trek display there, but I think it's moved on. Who knows what's going on in Vegas now? Anyway. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Not too much. Who's, who's, who knows what's going on anywhere in the world? Yeah. Um, Chris Pine was in the news recently. Yeah. He's still he's still pushing for the, the uh and next movie, yep. Yeah, the R rated version. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Well, we do have some feedback this week. And first up is our friend Fred from the Netherlands. So let's hear what he thought about the episode. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 10. Whoa, quite a heavy episode. I don't know if I like this alternative universe, the mirror universe so much. It it was really dark and awful in the beginning. And especially seeing uh, Sonequa Martin-Green, although she did it very good, this role, so dark, so angry, so... Well, I can imagine that the actors like it to get the worst out of yourself and, and play these roles, but I found it a bit too dark. Marvelous at the end was actually the interaction between Michael and Georgiou and this guy with the bowler. In the previous episode, I had a lot of difficulties with this guy, this Carl, but here it was much better. And of course, we get here the start possibly of a Georgiou own series here, a section 31 series, whatever, wherever she will be going. So that's a nice setup for that and getting rid more or less of Georgiou here. I really wondered that when season two ended, like how do we get a section 31 Georgiou series when she is going to the future 930 years? But of course, this is the way that they can make that possible. Okay, I just saw the episode, so not very many other impressions so far. I really have to watch it the second time. That's all for me. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, Fred. Thanks again for that great feedback. I you know what? what? You should have heard from Taryn, Fred. Yes. <laughs> that would have been great. I hated this episode. <laughs> I think the until writing staff should be put in an agonizer. This has been Fred from the Terran universe. Yeah. yeah, that would have been pretty awesome. <laughs> but yeah, the, the ending scene with Giorgio and Burnham was fantastic. Just loved it to death. It was very hard to keep from getting wet faced. <laughs> and uh yeah it, the terran empire was pretty brutal and that this whole episode in the terran empire was just showing how brutal it actually is and not that we didn't know that but they really emphasized it and we got to see our crew over there doing some horrible things <laughs> so as always, Fred, we really appreciate your feedback. And we got three more episodes for this season, so can't wait to see what you think of the next episode. You know, there's some uh, cognitive, cognitive dissonance, too. Right. On the part of Michael, when she gets thrown in the uh, brig, and she, the first thing she says is, I should be dead. Right. So there, you're right there, uh, Fred. 
with some of the points you you bring up. Uh, yeah, you can tell something's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I should be dead. Uh huh. Uh, this shouldn't have gotten to this point. Right. <laughs> well, we also have some feedback from Jazz, so let's hear what she thinks of the episode. Hello, this is Jazz, and I have a Season 3, Episode 10 review for Discovery. I actually enjoyed this episode a lot more than the last one. It did have the darker elements of hack and slash and everybody's up for themselves and let's betray everybody so that we can get ahead kind of mentality. But it was sort of flipped on its head because our lovely main character, Captain Emperor, has now sort of had a change of heart since she has been in our time period and uh, proves that by saving Saru and by telling him that he doesn't have to die when he goes through the change. And then he finds out that that's true and is ecstatic that he can continue to share that with others. So that in and of itself is a huge change, aside from the fact that she saved him from being soup, as well as taking his species off the menu, which sort of disappointed the alternate Michael. So she still has the sadistic side that was, I guess, bred into her. And I also like the fact that she didn't think that Michael was going to make a change no matter how much she loved her and wanted her to change. She expected her to betray her, which is the smarter plan. And I was pleased to see that she was actually planned for that and wasn't rather surprised when she decided to turn on her after, I guess, two months later. And then when she actually came back to the real world on the edge of forever, I thought it was very cool that they actually used the same arch as in the original series. And, uh, of course, loved Carl. Uh, when they came back, that she had been gone for three months. So it sounded a little bit like Quantum Leap. And so I, I thought it was great. She was like, okay, you know, you've changed enough, but you're not, you're changed too much to go back to where you were because you died. And you changed not enough to go to stay where you are. So we're going to send you someplace else where the two streams meet and you'll no longer have the body tearing itself apart issue. Which I thought was a rather clever way of, of giving her her own series and, and a way to get her there without having that consistent problem. And gave it more of a resolution, in my opinion, for her to leave the show. And I thought that was really well done. I was pleasantly surprised and pleased with that. I thought it was nice they sort of had a wake at the end. And everybody said she could be really interesting and a schmuck, but she also had her positive qualities. And the snark was there and the humor was there. So it made it less dark and uh, had a happy ending of sorts. It wasn't a Thelma and Louise ending where everybody died. So I was pleased about that. I don't consider that a good ending, but that's me. I liked the alternateness a little bit more now that I knew that Giorgio had a different plan that she planned on implementing and it wasn't just being violent and mean for violent and mean's sake. I thought it changed things up a bit with a good plot point and some twists and turns that you might not have expected and had a had a resolution that was was good and a good ending. So I'm I'm looking forward to more and enjoyed it thoroughly and I will talk to you later. This is Jazz signing off. Thanks. Thank you, Jazz, for that wonderful review. You got some thoughts on what she said there, Dave? I was just thinking of the Terran Jazz. <laughs> oh. She would leave a message that's like three seconds long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Terran Jazz. I don't have anything to share with you people, and you wouldn't deserve it anyway. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, that, that sounds about right. You'll have to give us a, a little snippet of Terran Jazz next time there, Jazz. 
I should be leading your podcast because you guys are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Well, of I, course, we always appreciate your feedback, Jess. Oh, yeah. And I do agree with you that the way they, Giorgio's effect on the Terran universe will be felt for a long time, I believe. Now, could it still be destroyed by their alliance? Sure, it could. But I think that that will, who knows, maybe Lorca will take over unless he's already into the Prime Universe. So then that leads so. it to Killy. Yeah. yeah. She might be strong enough to handle it. Yeah. And not change it, but... Extra strength, Killy. Yes. <laughs> New and improved. <laughs> and yeah, we definitely love the ending scene and Carl. Because it was nice that Burnham and just basically forced him to show his hands. You know, because he was dodging every question she was pounding him with. And finally, he gives it up and says, All right, you want to know who I am? Here you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as always, Fred and Jazz, we really appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing from you again. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting on social media with all the great fans. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? Well, Steve, they can go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link where you'll find several ways to contact us via email or through social media. On Twitter, he's at Salia Steve, and I'm at the real ID Dave. And I was just thinking, which is always trouble. Yes. Um, oh, never mind. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> did you just change universes, Dave? I did. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about Lorca and alternate universes and what she said, and then it went right out of my Vulcan mind. <laughs> well, please review and rate us on iTunes and every other platform you're listening to us on, as it helps other fans of the show find us, as there are a lot of Star Trek Discovery podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast, and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcast. I remember now, because I just went through my own little portal here. Yes. So, uh, there's three timelines possible for uh, the Guardian of Forever. Right. So, technically, did he appear? Well, at least he appeared to people that were pre-Kirk. We always knew it as like a Kirk thing. Right. Now he's, now he's appearing before people that are pre-Kirk, but they're 900 years in the future. <laughs> so, right. are there two or three timelines? And if that's true, it may answer some of our questions about whether Philippa can remember Michael Burnham and the rest right. 900 years or not. And if there's a Lorca in her who still wishes to go back to his old Terran empire. Right. I don't know. I, I still can't. I, I wouldn't agree with uh, Philippa forgetting Michael Burnham and the rest. That, that doesn't that doesn't seem right. Right. We shall see. see yep. <laughs> anyway, the 11th episode is on December 24th because no one else is doing anything that night. Yeah. It's titled <laughs> The Citadel. So until then, remember. This is Chief Engineer Steve. Biologically impossible. If he tried, his DNA would unravel like a hormonal teenager. <laughs> Take that, Stamets. <laughs> And this is Redshirt Dave, and I am the guardian of forever, or at least this afternoon, when that when I've had too much football and too much to drink. <laughs>